Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. No surprise, the baseball lockout is here. We've got behind-the-scenes details of some players beating the deadline to get contracts and... Some big stunners uh, that Robert's got for you on players who did not sign. Plus, what does this look like going forward? Baseball Insider starts right now. So Robert Murray, our Baseball Insider, my hero, despite some of your whatever food deficiencies. (laughs) Tell me why we are here. Baseball's first work stoppage since the awful one that cost the world series we're going back 26 years but here we are and i know that the players want more freedom they want arbitration shortened they want competitive balance they want to de-incentivize tanking uh but look average salaries robert four million dollars the the owners are making a boatload uh this all comes down to money but how do you think we got to this point today Yeah. Well, first off, like that's probably the nicest way anyone's ever criticized my food take. So I appreciate that. No, no problem. No problem. Yeah. See what a guy, but uh, like this has basically been stemming for the last five or six years, ever since the last CBA was negotiated. Cause there's been tension on each side. um, And like, there's just been a general unhappiness um, and it's been boiling over in the last few years. And it reached a point where even during the season this year, like before it too, like everybody was basically in agreement that there was going to be a lockout or there was, there was going to be some sort of labor issue this year with the CBA expiring. And lo and behold, that's happened. And um, we've seen Rob Manfred speak out about it yesterday in a statement and even spoke today in a press conference today, detailing some different issues. Uh, We've seen Tony Clark respond already, the union head um, and fight for what they believe in. Um, and like, it's, it's not going to be a quick fix. Like there is a lot as you detailed that these sides want to, they, they want to get things in their favor or they want things to be different. Um, and like, I, I fully expect baseball to start on time next year but there's going to be a lot of different issues for these sides to work out. They're not even remotely close to it right now. So why the dichotomy there? Big word for me. Cause <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, I keep, I'm, I'm thinking you, you're saying there's huge issues to work out, but yeah, no, the season's going to start on time. Yep. Like that, I, you know, that seems like completely polar opposites. And I mean, if, if let me just say this, if I had it my way, the yeah. calm way right now, I would have however long a lockout it took for baseball to get a salary cap. You guys don't want to play this year? You don't want to cap? Then we're not playing. That, that's how you have way too much, not uh, the NFL format where everybody's got a shot or even the NBA format uh, where, you know, right now, uh, and, and it's just the competitive balance in baseball is a huge problem. So I, I would hold out for a cap and I would think a lot of players 
would almost hold out for a cap because uh, the haves and the have nots in baseball are, uh, I mean, the, the haves have something, but if, if you look at it and I'll, I'll throw something at you, 33 players command 51% of the 10 billion in player salaries. So that's a, that, that's a, I mean, that's a very small amount of players who are getting all the revenue, by the way, baseball reflects the real world. So, I mean, that's a, I would think that there could be a problem within the player ranks and I would think there could be a problem with the owner ranks, which has happened before too. Yeah. And like, I think that's a great point by you um, there. So like, that's something the ownership is telling players is that we, you guys do not have a salary cap. You can make $350 million. You can get contracts for 12 plus years. Um, and like, that's something that's been in the player's favor for quite a while. Um, and the ownership is not letting the players forget that. But players, they, they want, uh, I, I believe, I saw something today about $100 million, whatever. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like they want arbitration to be different. They want it to be more in the player's favor. They want just a lot of different of these issues. And yes, I know I said there's a lot of them, but like the season is going to start on time. Like, here's my reason for that is both sides have a lot to lose in if the season does not start on time that last year, we ended up seeing a COVID shortened season where it went from 162 games to 60 games. Um, and they lost a lot of money and less regular season games this year, even less spring training games means less revenue for owners. And like, that's something that is extremely important to them. And I mean, I think they would end up being fine losing some spring training games just because the revenue there is not as great as it is during the regular season. But when it comes to losing regular season games, I think that's where the ownership is, or the 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 yeah, the owners is going to end up being. That's where they're going to draw the line. Um, so, like I, I, as I said, I fully expect a season to start on time. I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a media battle between both sides. You're going to see a lot of different leaks, and it's going to be a roller coaster. Um, I'm going to advise you, Carm, and also a lot of the the people who are listening right now to not ride the roller coaster because. I mean, things can change, but I just, I expect a season to start on time. It's just going to take the, the timeline that I've got is about two to three months, probably closer to the three months. Well, to your optimistic point of view, Robert Murray, there was, well, well, there was 1.4 billion with a B dollars spent in the last call it a week on free agent contracts. Yeah. If the game was in some huge dire straits, you wouldn't see $1.4 billion thrown around on guys like Corey Seager, who have had massive injury issues. Uh, I mean, it's, or significant, massive. Is that significant less than massive? I think it is. Uh, yeah, significant is a good word, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the, the dollars clearly are there, but I guess the haves and the have-nots are good. It's Peter Gammons had a good piece about it. Like, you did not have um, – 100 loss, four 100 loss and four 100 win teams. Uh, I think dating back to like 1962. And now you're seeing it because the haves with, with money, who can spend well-run organizations will throw that in there too. They're winning a hundred plus and teams like the Orioles, Pirates, Royals, they're tanking. They're losing a hundred because that's their best path, best pathway. But then if you and I think Rob Manfred is right about this. If you lop off another year of free agency, uh, or, and so guys can team control on young players is less, it's going to be even harder 
for the Royals or whoever to, to hold Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis for long enough to win a World Series because they'll have to make quicker decisions. They actually get value in a trade. If you wait to the very end, they're not going to get it if they go to the last year. So maybe they're moving them after two or three years, and maybe the World Series doesn't happen in Kansas City. Yeah, and, the, and like that's also – I feel like I'm a broken record saying it, but another great point. It's So to go off your original point of the $1.4 billion spent, um, like that – I think a lot of it stemmed from the uncertainty from both sides is these like the owners and the players, they don't know what the next CBA is going to look like from the player's perspective. They were worried that the next CBA would benefit the owners and the owners uh, were fearing that the next CBA may benefit the players. Hence why you ended up seeing more aggressive teams here in terms of spending free agents and players wanting to go off the board quicker. Now, like that doesn't apply to every player uh, because a lot of the Scott Boris clients, uh, Chris Bryant's one uh, Trevor story. Who's represented by XL sports management did not sign. Same with Kyle Schwarber. Um, like the top players, they were not like some, some of them were, were inclined or okay with remaining on the market through the upcoming CBA negotiations. But the uncertainty from a lot of different sides here stemmed from that being the case where the money was just spent like crazy. And like, in terms of, I, I want to like kind of go off of the CBA talk for a second here. Um, there was, a, I, I talked to probably 10 different agents throughout the entire process here of like the last three days who all made one similar point is they wish they had a big free agent this year, um, because teams were spending money like they have never seen before. And that especially applies to Steve Cohen with the Mets, where he was just spending an absurd amount of money. I mean, three years for 130 million or so for Max Scherzer is just I mean, Scherzer's great, but like that is a tremendous deal. Um, and there's a lot of agents who try to bash Scott Boris behind the scenes just because they, they don't agree with certain things. But anyways, they, all, they were all universally praising that deal. Um, and the Rangers spending as much money as they did. I think they spent over a quarter of a billion dollars in the span of 24 hours, which, um, well, no, actually, no, it was, a f- wait, it was more than that. Never mind. It was like five hundred million or something like that. Over, uh, I, I think over six. Seager was three twenty-five. Yeah, and hold on, we'll get the numbers here. Yeah, because I want to say it was like five sixty-four in that range, but it was just it was it was a lot of money. Um, and everybody wanted a big free agent this year, unlike any year that I've ever seen, because usually you see it pretty pretty quiet. Um, especially in the early stages, but like these teams were spending money, like it was going out of style, like it was growing on trees. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you too, the Mets, they got a lot of praise behind the scenes too. Um, like from agents, teams were kind of like not happy with Steve Cohen because he was driving up the market prices, but Hey, I think it's good for baseball personally. I would, why you had explained to me why that's good for baseball, that, players are getting huge contracts and Steve Cohn is outbidding owners. Like how does, how is that good? Cause I, I just, I love an owner that does something like that, where he just does everything that he wants to win. Um, and I, I don't, I, I don't agree with like the, his Twitter comments or anything. I think you should probably tame it down on Twitter. Don't get me wrong, but I think Steve Cohen is, he's good for baseball and the fact that maybe he ends up getting other owners to spend more, um, or just trying to be more competitive. Cause like, as you said, like players want less incentive to tanking for teams. Um, and I think players want that, but I also think Cohen is kind of like, maybe he gets the owners from 
sitting on their on their tushes. <laughs> I didn't think I'd use the word tushes today, but here we are. Well, it was an excellent use of tush. I mean, I think that look, he might be good for baseball from a, a rich owner standpoint. That other rich owners are going to step in and compete with him. That's possible. But as far as widening the gap between the haves and the have-nots the the billionaire who was investigated for insider trading uh he, he's doing that so I, I i don't i don't i would portend that that's not good for baseball and, and let me just let me give my car message to baseball and let, and let me let me just cut through a narrative that annoys the living daylights out of me the fans are not leaving I am not leaving. I do not care how long the lockout is. If you sit out for three years and you come back, I will be there. I will go to guaranteed rate field. I will go to Wrigley field. I'll drive up to Miller now, whatever American family insurance ballpark. I'll be there. You know why? Cause you got me. I love baseball. I love hot dogs. I love sunshine. I love family. I love my summer. You, you don't have to worry about losing the fans. And I know that they know this, but it's not said enough because I hear you can't lose the fans. Sosa and McGuire brought back baseball in 98. Maybe that's true to a little bit of a point that the game came back quicker, but people were going to come back. That was just a jump start. That was, that was literally steroids on steroids to get baseball back. And fine, you want your money as quick as possible. I get it. But the, but the fans are going to come back. And don't tell me that Young people aren't interested in baseball. Young people will grow up and realize that sitting at a ballpark is great too. Now, there are ways within the game to make it better that I think you need to do. Balls in play. Nobody wants to sit there, yours, yours included, and watch ball, 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 ball. It's, it's exhausting, and the shift's exhausting. But the most important thing you can do is get the game in a competitive salary cap as close to it world where the Pittsburgh Pirates have as great a chance to win as the New York Yankees. That's what you should do. Sometimes it hurts to take the pain now for the gain later, but that's what I really hope baseball does, which players don't want to hear, but I think it's better for all. That's my, that's my wish, Robert Murray. Boy, how do I follow that up Carl? That was a very passionate speech there. Like, well, I also think you're right too. So I'm agreeing with you a lot. I gotta, I gotta change that here. Um, okay, but agreeing with me is a brilliant move by you. Who wouldn't agree <laughs> with everything I say? Uh, I disagree with that. There we go. I finally got, <laughs> I got it in. Um, but uh, but I, I do think baseball is not in danger of losing their fans yet. Um, I, I've had multiple friends of mine actually text me asking if there is a chance that regular season games end. Uh, or, or regular season games are lost because of the CBA negotiations. And I've responded with the same message of, no, I fully expect the season to start on time. And their response has been good because if there's regular season games, like, we'll probably not watch. And I think that's a load of baloney um, personally, but like they're at least claiming it, or at least there's, threatening it. There's no evidence to that. The NBA goes on strike. The fans come back. The NHL has brutal strikes yeah. dead to the world. They, Fans come back. NFL, same thing. Major League Baseball, the same thing. And by the way, if the fans don't come back in droves and there's, you know, instead of 40,000 at a ballpark, there's 25,000 and seats are more uh, affordable for those of us who really love the game. I'm good with it. I don't need I don't need it. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me. The popularity of the sport. My favorite my favorite sport that I don't talk about any podcast is tennis. It's not the most popular and I don't care how many go. I just love the sport. So 
that you know i get that they care how many people are there they want to make the money yeah. but from from my perspective i don't I, i'd rather have the game be in a good place wait hang on i did not know you were a tennis guy are you rafael nadal or roger federer kind of guy love or them both love Djokovic. them both love them. yeah yeah you're good novak Djokovic, very good robert yes uh i i, I like Djokovic. i like i th- that's one of the problems with tennis there's no villain like Djokovic is a little bit of a villain but yeah. fed he's the man not nadal's the man joker's the man Andy murray when he was in that was the man and hey, no relation by the way i figure i should clarify that one okay there we go yes okay. i'm sure very you're good. wondering very about good. that very yeah. well, <laughs> right like the thing about these negotiations is that this is not happening during the regular season it's not happening during the postseason it is happening at the beginning of the offseason and we have four months until games are played like let this process play out like i i don't think as I said, I don't think we're in any danger of losing regular season games. I think fans that are threatening to like go away from the game, I, I I just I don't buy it. I can understand the frustration though, just because like their their argument is millionaires are fighting billionaires and like they're thinking greedy and or that each side is greedy. Like I I hear you on that, um, and that's why I think among many reasons why these sides end up figuring this thing out sooner rather than later, probably right before spring training in that ballpark. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, as I said, I fully expect the season to start on time, but I just, I cannot see fans or many fans leaving the game. If this issue extends, maybe even into spring training, just a couple of numbers here for, for just uh, to digest right now, uh, as far as revenue and baseball, 57% goes to the owners, 43% goes to the players just on a very baseline does that seem fair analysis? I think most people would say it's at worst should be 50, 50. And I would say it should be 55, 45 in favor of the player. So that, that, that's that, that number is backwards. So I would, I would recommend the players, you know, I, I can see why the players would want to fight for something there. The average salary on the other hand is 4.17 million, which is down 5% from 2019, but we had a pandemic. Let's not forget that. And that's still a lot of dough, uh, on the average, but again, it's a lot of the haves and the have not. So it averages out to four, but you know, a lot of guys in the game are making the minimum, but the, the minimum again is what? Five eighty six, whatever it is. It's, yeah. it's a, a lot like more. That. Yeah. It's a lot more money than, than, than most of us make. However, to get to that level in life is incredibly difficult. So I never begrudge what players make. And one of the things the players want, they want, um, they want arbitration to go from six to five years. So players will have uh, owners, teams will have control for, for one less year and, or you hit free agency at 30 and a half years old. Uh, they want it to drop to 29 and a half. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want, I don't think it's, that's great for if there is no salary cap, I don't think that's, which they're in all likely it won't be. I don't think that's great for the fans. However, I think it's very fair for the players. You shouldn't have to wait till you're 31 years old to get to be in free agency. Well, you know, that's 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 a long time. Yeah, because it's you're not like so. I'm going to go on a spiel here about about the finances and everything. Is I think it, there's no way players should hit free agency for the first time when they're 31. Like I think that that should not happen. It should be much sooner than that. Um, I don't know by how much sooner, but it, it should be sooner than that. And a big thing for players is there's so you hear about all these four or these massive contracts spanning like a hundred million to 300 million. Um, but for the most part, a lot of these players, as you said, they're on the minimum salary and 
they're all like there are a lot of these other players that are even above that are not getting deals to what they feel are they are worth. Um, and players throughout, like during their time in baseball, obviously they're playing baseball for the love of the game. Like they love baseball, but they also want to maximize their worth. And that's why you see players holding out for as much money as they can. Um, and they're trying to get as much like finances as they can, like in free agency. Um, like that's why we've seen a lot of the big players not sign is they want to have a chance to end up maximizing their value in free agency. Um, and we've, we've also seen what some players even try to like jump the market in terms of extensions too. like, um, we end up seeing Fernando Tatis Jr. sign a $341 million contract. Um, Juan Soto is probably going to end up getting close to 400, maybe 450 in that range. Uh, players want to maximize their value. And I think having a salary cap is going to end up really hurting that. And that's something that these players are going to end up holding on to throughout these negotiations is um, if you end up having um, a salary cap, those 12 year deals or those $350 million deals, they're not going to happen. Um, So like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I would not expect the salary cap is what I'm trying to say. Right. Neither, neither would I, but I'm, I'm from, from uh, talking to the owners out there standpoint, go ahead. I'll I'll sit through no baseball in in 2022 if you get this right, but they're they're not going to do that, and that's fine. Whatever, I'll enjoy the game as I have always enjoyed the game, no matter what happens. All right, hey, I know you got some behind the scenes stories of uh, players rushing to beat the deadline to sign their deals. I know Marcus Stroman was running through an airport, uh, and the the Cubs really I, I I'm surprised by that deal. Um, but I guess good on the Cubs for bringing in Stroman, who's never played at Wrigley Field. I'm not sure if he did all the research on the on the Ricketts family uh, signing with the Cubs, but but uh, here he is. So is is Stroman one of your stories, or do you got something else? Yeah, I got something else, but I'll start with Stroman actually real quick. So early that morning, I ended up getting a text from a team that was involved in Stroman saying he's going to sign today, um, and immediately like I asked that team, "Is it with you?" and they said, that's for you to find out. So I went on this search. I ended up trying to, I had notes in my notebook of what teams were interested in Marcus Stroman. It was the Giants. It was the Mets. Um, it was, I had the Dodgers in there, although I don't think they were interested. Like, actually, I know as a fact they were not in on Stroman. Um, the Angels were another team. Uh, the, the Cubs I actually had in there. And there was another team too. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I immediately ruled out the uh, I ruled out the Mets. I ruled out the uh, the or I ruled out the Dodgers. I ruled out the Angels. And in my notebook, I was down to the Giants and the Cubs. And I'm thinking, Stroman does not fit the Giants. Like I don't think he was somebody that they would end up going for because they don't like having those those long term deals. Because he was, I think he was seeking a five year deal. I don't know that for sure, but. Like he, I, I think he wanted a contract close to what Kevin Gosman and uh, Robbie Ray ended up signing. And I narrowed my search down to the Cubs. And I'm thinking, hmm, like maybe this, maybe this happens, but like it doesn't make sense because like they're not, I don't think they're close to competing yet. Um, and I, I've known for a while, and I think Gordon Whitmire down in Chicago ended up reporting that the Cubs love Stroman like a couple months ago. Um, and I placed some texts out. I'd never, I never got confirmation. All of a sudden, Heyman and Rosenthal both simultaneously tweeted that the Cubs were in talks. I think what, your guy, uh, Matt Spiegel, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, you got it. You got it. 
Yeah, he was the first one to report that. And like I had found out Stroman was close to signing. And then probably 30 minutes later, he tweeted that. And I'm thinking, hmm, like, it, it fit. And lo and behold, it happened. I like three years for 71. It's it puts him a like at an average annual value above Ray and Gosman, which I think, I mean, that's, that's, that's good, but he also got three years when they got five. So um, not as favorable deal for the player, but still like a pretty strong one. And the Cubs ended up getting the guy they loved for a while. And, and he gets an out after two years. So if he pitches great he can cash in, congratulations, Marcus, go get him. Um, yeah. I, I listened to his press conference. He's a, and I've heard him speak a, a million times. Guy, the guy is about as impressive as they come. I mean, he is a well-thought-out, super uh, all-encompassing, rounded, I'm going to eat right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think right, I'm going to play right type of guy. He's, uh, so, I don't know. He, he talked about it in his press conference, can't wait to play at Wrigley Field. It's, you know, sold out every single day. I'm like, dude, you have not been watching the Cubs. You, you, the, you, you're missing actually what's going on at Wrigley Field. Not saying that it won't be if they win. Obviously, they will. And and even nowadays, will you know whatever June, July, August weekend game, sure I'll be sold out. But you're you're not coming into uh, a frenzied Wrigley right now unless they go out and go get Carlos Correa or something crazy. What uh, what surprised you most, Robert, about guys that did not sign? Um, I thought for sure that Kyle Schwarber was going to sign, and I so I sent you and Hunter Armour, uh, our producer here, a text the other day saying, "Get ready for an emergency podcast," or like be on standby. And I had a text from somebody who is very good say Schwarber was signing with Philadelphia. Um, like talks there were pretty serious for a few days, um, but a deal was never reached. And I heard throughout the process that Schwarber was one of the guys who was okay with waiting out the market and not signing before the CBA was, was expired. Um, but I, I thought a deal was happening there. Um, and like there, there was a multitude of teams that are, that were in on him. I saw John Heyman connect the Miami Marlins with him. Um, even after signing Avi Garcia, which I thought was interesting. Um, I mentioned on the last podcast that the Texas Rangers were in, they were in until they ended up signing Simeon and Seeger. Um, and I'm under the impression, actually, I have it confirmed, um, that they offered a three-year deal to Schwarber, but not at the money that he wanted. And ultimately, a deal did not happen. But um, I, I thought Schwarber for sure was going to go to Philly. Um, I also, like, late in the day, too, I thought Nelson Cruz may go. Um, his market, like, he was having talks with a bunch of different teams. Uh, with two of those teams being the Padres and the Dodgers. Um, Padres have loved Cruz for a while, um, but a deal just was not, it did not get reached there, even at the deadline and even this year. Uh, I, like There was always a strong likelihood that he would wait um, to sign in free agency, but like there was more buzz that he would end up signing yesterday. Um, the Dodgers, they've actually like sneakily liked Cruz for a while. I think they were in on him last offseason or even at the deadline. I can't remember which one it was, but um, those were two guys that I was surprised with, but mostly Schwarber. Like I was like there was one that I was waiting, I was texting with different people, but waiting for the go text on Schwarber to Philly. Um, I even had the tweet written out in my phone too. So if, if that gives you any indication. I listening to you makes me think that Schwarber might be overplaying his hand. I don't, uh, I mean, 
I don't think how so. Much, do we have any idea what the numbers we're talking about here are? Uh, I don't, but I've had multiple people predict that it ended up being a four-year deal in like the 75 to 80 million range, um, which, I mean, I think that makes sense. I think that might be a little on the high end, um, but like Schwarber is actually a very good player that teams genuinely like a lot. Um, and I think his belief is that once the CBA comes and there's a universal DH, which that's automatically assumed that's going to happen, um, his market's going to be doubled. And these teams are just going to end up giving him an offer that he can't refuse. That's his, I believe that is what Schwarber believes. Um, but yeah, like I thought he was going to Philly. I don't know exactly how, how close they were in terms of dollars, but um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm just always genuinely stunned that he did not sign. Uh, teeing up the DH thing. I, I get the logic. Look, this is yeah. happening and all these teams are going to be looking for a DH and I can also play. A little bit of left field. You could throw me at first base like the Red Sox did. Yeah. I mean, how many of me are, are out there? Probably not yeah. that many. No, uh, there's no. And like, and like, sorry for cutting you off, but a, a point that I want to mention too with Schwarber is he's a perfect fit in Philadelphia. Um, he has got, he can be a leadoff hitter, uh, which is something they desperately need. But he's also like their hitting coach is Kevin Long, who, is the one who unlocked everything with him with the Washington Nationals and basically changed his career. Like those guys are extremely close. Um, and short, like I, I believe the interest there was was very mutual. Um, but it just a deal did not happen. It all, as I said earlier, it always comes down to finances, and like that's why a deal was not reached. But like that is going to be one that is firmly on my radar when the CBA is eventually agreed to. That's interesting, by the way. Am I sleeping on that, that Kevin Long unlocked Schwarber? Because if I'm, that's first news to me. So if it hasn't been, either you're writing that or I am. Let's go deep on a Kevin Long, Schwarber. How did this happen? How did Kyle Schwarber shed the the weight that was the Chicago Cubs and become one of the more sought-after free agents who was willing to sit through the lockout piece? What do you think? Yeah, so I actually, I've done some digging on this. I can't remember all the details in my head. Um, but Schwarber with the Cubs, they were having him do stuff differently. That was not good for him. Um, and obviously he battled injuries too. And like, like, and they tried to mess with his swing a little bit and that was not good for Schwarber. Um, and it took getting away from the Cubs and getting to a different team where Kevin Long just ended up working with him. I made some adjustments, but focused on what he does well with his swing. And lo and behold, like it was instant results. Like early in the season, in the first half, when he was with the Nationals, he was one of, if not the best hitters in baseball. Like I was genuinely convinced that teams were going to start intentionally walking him to lead off games, which is something I've never thought about before. Um, and he was, he was otherworldly. Uh, and he was hitting homers at just a, a stupid high clip. Um, and what do you have? He, eight in a row, right? Eight games in a row. Yeah, something along those lines. I think that's right. That sounds right, at least. But he was he was extremely good, um, and he credits Kevin Long for that. And Kevin Long, in Schwarber's eyes, changed his career. Um, and like that's, I, I think it would end up being a perfect fit from the Kevin Long standpoint, but also the Phillies needing another power hitter um, and also a leadoff hitter. Just, I think it's a match made in heaven. Bert, any other? Uh signings that you or non-signings that surprised you um I'll, I'll i'll actually give you a different nugget here um is 
players and physicals. Um, so like teams and players had to hurry up toward the end here and get deals done. Um, just because there was a window that they needed to negotiate, potentially there was like a hiccup in the deal or to get players in for physicals. Um, and in Corey Knable's case, so I was actually texting with him um, like during this, he was on a vacation in Cabo when he agreed to the deal with Philadelphia and he like, he was there for two days. Like he struggled for two days to get to Philly and he was kind of worried that he was not going to get there in time for the physical, but lo and behold, he ended up getting to Philly, um, got the physical done. And he said he ended up having a sprint through airports and, um, and like afterwards he ended up saying that he was just exhausted and he was just ready to absolutely crash, but he was beyond stoked to be in Philly. And he accepted a one-year deal in Philly to, um, to like, he, he was betting on himself with that deal because Knable, when he's right, he is a very good arm. Like, I mean, you saw that when he was playing Chicago and during their, their playoff runs for all those years, um, like he was a fearsome arm and he's, he's just, he's very good. So now that he's a full year removed from Tommy John, he's going to do that one year deal in hopes of landing maybe like a, a three or four year deal next year. Hey dude, you want to cut your vacation short? We got a one year, $10 million deal. You got to get to Philly in the next 33 hours or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, hey, it turns out a ten million dollar offer is worth cutting vacation short. He was there for a week, so I, I guess he was uh, he was getting ready to head back home. Well, now that we're locked out, I'm just going to fly back there and 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 you know count my dough and do some stretching and and let's go, team. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how who keeps themselves in shape during this lockout. I'm sure guys will because that's what they're that's how they're built nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you keep yourself in shape, Robert Murray. How are you going to handle this, buddy? Your phone's going to stop buzzing. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, I'm trying to figure that out. I, I don't know. Um, I actually, I've texted uh, five different group chats uh, that I have with friends, um, asking if they want to go on trips or something and just try to just splurge around or, or like move around, I should say, not splurge. Um, I'm, a, I'm a writer after all. But anyways, um, like it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to go on vacations. Uh, otherwise, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Probably hit the gym a lot too. Uh, I was there for an hour and a half this morning, Carm. I got a good chest and back workout in, so we're uh, we're feeling good today. It took you an hour and a half to do chest and back. Oh, dude! I when I get my lats going, holy! Oh. I could I could probably fly out of the gym with those things, Carm. Okay, Robert Murray ripping up the lats. You're know, darn right. Oh I'm boy, in- yeah, lat pull downs are like yeah. I do. I, I that could be a second career for me if if possible. If you if we did a push up off right now how many in a row could you do oh i'm pretty good at push-ups yeah, yeah. how many uh, uh i'll give me 35 you think you 35 push-ups yeah and on the next pod should we do a dual push-up who wins you 35 versus my 48 okay i'm gonna change my guess to 49 yeah i don't th- i haven't done a in a while <laughs> I, I like I, I would bet on you significantly but maybe we'll do this uh, I'm, I'm all for the entertainment hey, hey. Listen, uh, for for anybody who listened today and hated my take on, uh, yeah, you you you, uh, I'm not coming back, Carm. If they strike and they miss the season, I'm out. Uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I want I want I will make you a bet that you will be back. I've heard it way too many times. 
So, oh, get, making bets, karma. Oh, boy. You'll be back. Oh, God, I'm never going to watch. Yes, you will. Yes, you do. Yes, you are. That's We love what we love in life, uh, which is why I drink my tea in my on-the-mark mug. Cause, oh, man, can I get one of those? Yeah, I'll send you one, buddy. Yeah, because like, that's sick. <laughs> I love that. Branding. Um, there's at least seven of these circulating around in the uh, in the coffee drinking world. Damn it, <laughs> on the mark, baby. Uh, uh, Robert, great stuff, man. I, I uh, love love the behind the scenes. Great stuff on Schwarber, particularly. And, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate that. I try my best, at least. And, and fingers crossed for real that we do that. The lockout is is short, and, and baseball gets to a, a very good spot. Uh, that would be the best outcome, obviously. Uh, ratings are great. Reviews are amazing. We love all of you. I'll see you next week, Robert Murray. I'll see you there. And I'll echo what Carm said. Re- reviews and, and all that good stuff is very appreciated. Yeah, and hey, lockout or no lockout, this podcast continues to roll out. We'll figure out something to talk about. You're darn right. We'll see you next time.